the Novatomo, a weekly series of conversations with the artists, activists, and tastemakers who are redefining what it means to be gay in the modern era. My name is Brendan Schuchart, and on the program with me today, I have the one and only, the legendary Big Dipper. All through my conversation with Dipper, I kept reflecting on this essay that I read many years ago. One of those listicles that are ubiquitous now was something along the lines of 14 things you probably don't know about gay culture. And one of those things was, we have our own celebrities. Meeting Big Dipper felt like the first time in a long time that I was uh, overcome with the sense of celebrity. He's, uh, you know, just kind of famous. And it's weird the way that we are programmed, even those of us who are living in Hollywood and, and knee-deep in gay celebrities, there's a way in which that, um, that sense comes with a set of expectations and assumptions. I think it was good to be dissuaded of those. Ah, well, without further ado, here's Big Dipper. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm here with the one and only Big Dipper. Hello! Just to... We, hello! Just, I'd say it real quick before we get started, even though we've already been talking for like 20 minutes. Um, my, uh, my Brazilian ex-boyfriend calls you Big Deeper. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was adorable. My name has been a topic of conversation for a while. Because the first song I ever made, I used the. Mm-hmm. I, like on the track, I say the Big Dipper. Uh-huh. But the first song I ever made was just going to be a one off, and then it sort of spiraled into something else. So, you know, like names are so important all the time, not only like in real life, but especially artist names. And. So then I was like, no, well, it's not the, it's just going to be Big Dipper because you don't call Lil Wayne the Lil Wayne. Right. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so people still call me the Big Dipper. And, it, and I'm always like, you're getting it wrong. But, you know, <laughs> think about what we know as the Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone knows the constellation. Sure. And you use the word the with that. Right. But it's so funny because people send me pictures all the time of like... Um, Candles. There's a candle company called Big Dipper. There are roller coasters called Big Dipper. There are ice cream shops called Big Dipper. There's ice skating rinks called Big Dipper. I mean, it's just like, it's everywhere. And I think there's even beef jerky that comes with a dipping sauce that are called Big Dipper. (laughs) And so it's just so funny because I love it. Like, I get great messages from other countries where people spell it phonetically, like, deeper with E's. Big Dipper. Yeah. But it's rad. Tell your ex-boyfriend I said, what's up? Marcia, that's for you. You said it was a one-off. Yes. What was your first song? The first song was a song called Drip Drop that I made with Dan Foley. Okay. Basically, I was doing like performance art. I was dancing in Chicago in sort of this like queer performance nightlife scene. Mm-hmm. And I was dancing in a trio. And we were working with this band that Dan Foley had and I was like, oh, he's make, like he's making all that music, like at home by himself. Uh-huh. So I had all, I've been a hip hop fan my whole life, and I had always dreamt of being a rapper, but never thought it was actually a thing that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I had like written a bunch of stuff throughout my entire life. I have like notebooks of stuff that I used to write, but I, it was just this like private little thing. Uh-huh. And um, so I approached him. I forget why. I think I was like. I think I was coming, I was stoned with a friend of mine and we were joking about making up some stupid song like we all do when we're high. And he was like, oh, you should really do that. And I was like, I fucking will. And then I did, you know, like then I asked Dan if he wanted to make a beat and he did. And then we worked on the song for a long time. You know, I'd go over there like once a month over like a six month period of time. (laughs) And we eventually made a song. And I was um, working as an assistant for video production, and I asked the guy that I was assisting all the time, hey, would you be down to make a music video? Because we were making, like, videos for nonprofits, small, like, like, promo videos, stuff for, like, gala events to, like, a room full of rich people to, like, talk about what they're donating their money to. Just, like, none of it was creative. It was all, like, client-based. And I was like, let's do a music video. And he was really down for that. And that, that's literally how it started. It was like, I want to make one song 
and I want to make one video. Mm. And I was so broke at the time, I did a Kickstarter trying to raise $800. Wow. And a couple people were really generous and we raised like $1,300 and we shot the video. And then I had this like video I was super proud of and I was like, so what? Like, did I just like send it to my friends? Did I put it on YouTube? Because I didn't even, I wasn't even, there was no plan. It was just like, oh, I guess. So then I like sat down and I was like, maybe I should start a Twitter account. Like maybe I should like, (laughs) maybe I should like get on social media so I started, like, I, like, launched all of that stuff. I was, like, Twitter and Tumblr and, you know, like, this was way before I even got on Instagram. And um, I, like, looked up a bunch of blogs and I got their email addresses and I wrote what I considered to be a press release for the first time ever. And I just, like, emailed a bunch of people. And it got some placement, which was really rad. And then it just sort of all snowballed and people were like, what's next? And I was like, oh, And now it's like four years later, and here I am, like, doing a career. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the first video was, like, living out a lifelong dream, but it truly was, like, jumping out of a plane with no parachute. Like, I was like, I'm going hard on this, and it's going to happen, but I didn't know what any of the next steps were. Mm -hmm. And I'm so not the person to, like, do something that I consider awesome, and then not show it to anyone. Right. So then I did a ton of work to try to show it to people. And you've released two full albums since then? I, if we want to get technical, I've released zero Please, albums. Let's, get, let's, let's get, technical. get technical. Please, let's get technical. I've released zero albums. Okay. But I have released five music projects. Okay. Um, and there's like this little, you know, everyone has labels, especially, and I also like so many people I talk to who I make music with, or I like work in the industry or like do whatever, um, these people who, who have that experience, there's such like a, a history of, oh, I did this in high school or I went to college or like all these different things for me, as I said, the first thing that I did was the first thing that I did. So I have no history in understanding the music industry. Uh-huh. And so, so many people that I talk to, like, there's just the... Do you have any technical training? Like, no. Do you, 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 no. you know how to read Nothing. sheet music? Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't sing. I don't know how to read sheet music. I don't do, you know, I collaborate with producers to make beats and I have... As you can tell, I'm very talkative and I have tons of opinions. Mm, so like opinions. I'll sit with someone while they're making music and I'm like, what if that goes there? Well, I don't like that sound. What if this? But I like literally can't do anything on a computer. And I'm the same with editors. Mm. But I went to theater school, so I love to collaborate. So if you put me alone in a room, I'm not going to do shit. But if you put me with someone else, we'll come up with tons of ideas and we'll mm-hmm. work together. So as far as like the music thing goes, there's like, I've learned over time... I'm sort of like picking up knowledge as I go. And there's this weird thing with the idea of what, like of a debut album. Because especially in the age of internet music and especially in hip hop, like people just put out, they'll put out 13 releases, Mm -hmm. but none of them are their debut album. And then they might get picked up by a record label. So then they're like a new artist because they haven't put out an official album. Do you understand what I'm saying? (coughs) Absolutely. Thanks. But that's the thing. It's like she was popping and touring the world and had all this music out before her album came out. And everyone considered her like a very successful musician who had already popped off and her album didn't come out until what? Like yesterday? Two or three years (laughs) into her very successful career. Yeah. So anyways, I put out an EP. Then I put out what I call a mixtape, but it was basically all original production. Then I put out a collection of like club tracks that have my voice on it like yelling fun things that you could dance to at a fast BPM then I put out a project I made with a producer that's just like four rap tracks and a remix okay and then I put out another EP on iTunes that's all pop music okay so if you were to put that all together it's a lot of music it's a lot of music it's like um for those of you at home who can't (laughs) see through the radio Big Dipper's making a, a fisting motion which is he put his five fingers together and like pushed it up into those a those five projects level. turned into <laughs> a pl- 
pleasurable experience <laughs> inside of you. Um, so there's a lot of music there, but I'm sort of, you know, like, you said, anyone has a dream uh-huh. with what they're working on that someone's going to swoop down and pluck them and be like, your podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard in my life. I want to put you on the radio. I want to put you on satellite TV. You know, like, yeah, whatever. That's, that's what I'm waiting for. Exactly. <laughs> so I still hold on to that idea that someone is going to swoop down and be like, I've never seen an entertainer like you. You're great. I'm going to sink a bunch of money into your... Re-, you know, and then when I put out my debut album, mm. it'll still be my debut album. Sure. Also, I just want to spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. I want it to be like really good when I like put out an 18 track album that you buy for 12 bucks you know like I want it to be worth it and I want it to be good and I just don't think I'm ready yet to make that and most of the music that I put out is free and what I put out this summer cost money I think it was 5 bucks and it was the first thing that I sold officially like on iTunes Mm -hmm. but everything else has been free because I'm just like isn't that what you want? Don't you want to go to someone's website and immediately just be able to click a button and there's a zip folder that's downloading and it's, you know, an hour and a half of free music? Yeah. Why do you, like, I don't deserve your money yet because you just heard of me. You know what I mean? Like, you have to listen and find out if you want to buy my shit. And so I'm just of the, like, I want to play live shows. I want to get people on my side. And then if they want to spend money, they can spend money. But I'm about, you know, people getting to enjoy the videos and the music for free. It's also really hard to make money selling that. You know, everyone makes their money, as, as now as an entertainer, everyone makes their money in a live show. I totally feel where you're coming from in that, like, you know, I'm a writer, mostly. And um, I, have, like, I have friends that are editors and stuff, and they're always like, don't you think that story is a little big for your blog? Like, why don't you put it, like, why don't you sell that to somebody? And I'm right. like, I and I go to the, all the trouble of like contacting all these editors and being like buy this story from me and like I wrote it I want people to read it just go read right. it just go read it although it's probably not the most efficient way of going about getting people to read my shit um, well unless they read it and then you get jobs from it right do you know what I mean like yeah. I put out my videos people watch and then I get a phone call being like hey I just saw your video do you want to come to you know Seattle and play our pride and I'm like I would love to thank you for asking it's um, going to be one million dollars. One million dollars. <laughs> um, why rap? Like, uh, why not? Oh, I don't know. Like, why not um, uh, the music stylings of like? Uh, <laughs> you I don't say know. What singing? Why not? Why 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 not white boy music? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> um, I just connect with hip hop music. It's what I grew up listening to. It's where I feel most connected. What hip-hop did you grow up listening to? I grew up... I had a lot of shame when I started making music because I would interact with music producers who'd be like, do you know so-and-so? Do you know this producer? Do you know that? And I'd be like, no. Mm-hmm. Are they on the radio? Do right. they make top 40 You know, hit? It's like, I grew up listening to the radio in Chicago. And so I grew up listening to rappers who were making pop music right um i would say like my ideal type of song is like there was a period of time when like ja rule made a bunch of duets with ashanti yes and that vibe is like a hundred percent the kind of music that i want to make rappers and first uh and so like i love a good hook i love pop songs i love you know i love all that shit but I'm not a singer, yeah. you know? And so the thing that I can do is write words that rhyme together and I have flow. So I'm a rapper. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a lot of feelings um, that people have when, you know, a white person is rapping, when a gay person is rapping, when a person who looks like I look, like, takes their clothes off on stage. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things that put me in this other category. Yeah. Um but when I'm performing, I'm like literally the most authentic version of myself. Yeah. Um, and it's the only way, like, I don't, I don't even really like, rehe- like, unless I have dancers, I don't really rehearse my shows anymore. And I only get nervous sort of like the second before. And I only get nervous that like 
there might be a technical glitch. I don't get nervous about what's going to happen. I'm just like, I hope the CD works and I hope this mic doesn't cut out. Um, because I feel so comfortable on stage. I feel way more comfortable on stage than I do like at a party with 20 people. Um, because I know what I'm expected to do and I know that I can do it well. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not to say, you know, there isn't room for improvement and I can't learn anything. But I, if I'm confident about anything, it's my live show. I'm curious what kind of reception you get from both from gay guys who've never heard you or seen you before, Mm -hmm. like gay guys who are experiencing you for the first time, Mm -hmm. and um, from rappers of all stripes, like Mm -hmm. other musicians, Mm -hmm. um, both like other gay rappers, of Mm -hmm. both whom we know quite a few. We both know quite a few. Quite a few. Quite a few. Um, <laughs> more than more uh, than five fingers. Probably yeah. actually just probably just those five. <laughs> probably just those five. Um, but you know we, uh, yeah. Like well, like what um, what is what kind of reception do you get from strangers? When I'm at a gig, like at a gay club, mm-hmm. and people people will come up to me and be like, "I've never heard of you. I've never seen you. I never. I didn't know what to expect." It's always a compliment. But then again, you have to be really ballsy to walk up to someone and be like, that was some bullshit (laughs) to their face. Do you know what I mean? So plenty of people are probably thinking that Mm. and not saying it to me. You know, they say it on YouTube or whatever. Um, But typically it's like, I was not expecting to like that. Mm -hmm. I saw your picture on the poster and I was like, why is she naked? Why does she think she's a rapper? Well, you know, it's like people see the image and they're like, oh, that's not going to be good. And then I have heard that it is surprising. And people are like, I didn't think I would like that, but I did. I really enjoyed it. Good for you. So that's always rad. Yeah. Um, and from other rappers, um, I guess starting from other gay rappers... There may not be, you know, only five, but, you know, we could fit the crew, like, <laughs> on a school bus. Right, sure. Um, at least in the States, at least two are, like, gigging around and I, like, interact with on the circuit. Mm-hmm. Everyone is supportive to my face. Some people, I can guarantee, don't fuck with me and are uninterested Um, Because some people are, like, nice to my face, like, at a party or whatever. I go to their shows, and they give me a hug and interactive. But then when I, like, reach out to them or text them or whatever, they, like, never get back to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, maybe we're just not friends. Or maybe you really don't like me, but you're unbothered enough to, like, not get into it with me about why you don't like me. We all have our own taste. Um, And straight rappers, you know, I... I make my living off the gay dollar. Mm-hmm. I very rarely play straight shows. And even more rarely do I play like a hip hop showcase where there's just like a ton of different rappers and I'm one of them. Sure. That like has probably happened five times in my life. But nine times out of ten, the response will be like, yo, I'm not really into that dick sucking thing, but you put on a great show. You know, and I'm like, well, thank you. So, <laughs> like that, I mean, I I opened for this guy in Chicago, and he really liked my show, and then, like, immediately invited me to feature on his album, and then I, like, recorded a verse on his album, and, like, that music's gonna come out in a little bit, and he is, like, a really, like, you know, he's much bigger than me as far as Chicago goes, and he's making a great career for himself as, like, an independent rapper, and, like... Everyone loves him. And um, it was really rad that he like saw my show and was like, you're great. Let's collaborate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm i also like, I don't have a lot of, I don't, I try to not perpetuate a lot of drama in my life. And I feel like if I did, I would get into it with more people, you know? You'd probably be a bigger rapper. Because like, rap's all about beef these days. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You're really invested <laughs> in beef. I know, I just, like, I just don't have any space for that. Yeah. Like, sometimes I have negative feelings about people, but then I let them go. Like, I'm uninterested in, like, getting on Twitter and letting someone know that I think they're an idiot. Um, 
because that just Kanye like, that Sorry. just spends more you know it's like more shit in my life that I don't need to deal with hashtag waves yeah exactly uh, I own your son <laughs> that was rude um, Kanye I was talking about weed oh sorry um, if you're listening to this 20 years from now you're not going to understand what any of that was um, is this a time capsule it is yeah I'm just going to stick it on a on a <laughs> disc and put it in a time capsule um, I want to talk about content a little bit because you um, you said you um, you know you 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 work for a gay audience and your content is um, uh, very gay mm -hmm. like awesomely awesomely very gay mm -hmm. um, and uh, and also very funny and why uh, I want to know why why are those two things important to you well like I was talking about how I just feel like really authentically myself on stage when I'm recording music and I'm in like that right moment, mm -hmm. I also just feel like super free and authentic to be myself. Or I feel super free that I have permission to be myself. And I think that I'm super gay and funny. <laughs> so I just think like that's what comes out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I challenge myself and I'm like, oh, maybe try to write this song that it could play on the radio or maybe try to write this song without any pronouns in it so it could be universal um just as like an exercise because mm -hmm. you know the, uh, when i when i play a show that isn't a party uh -huh. when there isn't like a pre-existing party and i'm just the special guest but it's like it's a big dipper concert straight people come married couples come and like straight married couples and the husband like looks like me mm -hmm. and the wife is like really into it. I mean like that is a thing that happens a lot and it's like can I take a picture of you and my husband and then she's like kiss him on the cheek kiss him on the cheek to her husband to like kiss me on the cheek like you know it's like oh my god housewife fantasies I mean it's full on it's like it's like they're the couple that like maybe when he's feeling ballsy he asks her to like put a finger in his butt and then she's like you might like this gay rapper but they're like really into each other Kanye <laughs> so like that when I just do a concert it's it is this crowd and I want to be able to deliver something that is universal because I also think how rad is it to be both those things right to be super gay in that moment and having an entire song about being addicted to dick uh. And then the next song could be licensed for a car commercial and played on the TV, right. you know, and not only because that would give me a lot of fucking money, but also because in that moment I can represent both things. And I think there are artists that are doing that um, on larger and larger levels, you know, and the more the more queer people come out publicly and then it's like, oh, like I remember when everyone was like, gagged out of their mind that Lily Tomlin was gay. Mm -hmm. And it was like, she's like, I've just been gay forever. Right. And like, y'all just didn't know about it. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, the more there's just like legends in mainstream. There's more there's just like, oh, I danced to that person's songs last night and like, I don't care that they like to eat butthole. And you're just like, great. Like, none of that matters. You know, like, it just doesn't matter. So, I feel like being able to do both of those things is really fun. Mm -hmm. And how great would it to be as a queer person to interact with someone in your community and go to your own parties and see a performer and then see them being their same self but on TV in six months. Like That's what I think is so rad about Frida. Big Frida is like, right. she's everywhere. She has a fucking TV show. She does late night performances. She tours the world and she just continues to be herself. Right. And it's this like amazing, you know, people are like, well, are you trans? And she's like, no girl, I'm just me. Like she doesn't even like, she uses different pronouns, but she also is like identifies as a gay man. You know, it's like she does everything and no one has been like, you can't. It's just been like, this is how you are. Who's going to tell Big Priya you can't? Anybody? Exactly. Right. Like, but she went to Beyonce's birthday party. Like no one's going to talk to her about that. So I just think, like, I just think how rad to be able to sort of try to 
to do that work in both worlds. And there's a I'm, I, there's a way in which you do it that I appreciate. I know other I know working gay artists, musicians, who seem to work so hard to neuter their message or their content to make it as bland and as accessible. I've talked to so many people about that as possible, and it. Um, um, I, I I react very negatively to it, especially right. like the more talented they are, the more it like pisses me off because right. um, if only because um, of the message that they are sending to little faggots that you can't be gay, like you can't be honest and be successful. Right. And so when I see people um, or I experience artists who are being authentic to whatever it is that they are, um, like that is inspiring. Well, like this song, I just put out a video this past summer called Vibin for this song that is like ready for radio. There was never an explicit version. Mm -hmm. It was about love. It was about getting frisky. It was about a boy, but there's nothing explicit. And it's a dance song, and it's like, I call it my, like, Starships moment. Like, when Nikki came out with Starships, and it was a pop song. And mm -hmm. it was like, everyone's like, wait, she's singing the hook on that? She's not just a rapper? What's going on? Um, but the video, I mean, you could hear that song, and you could maybe even miss the fact that I'm, um, you know, man, and I'm saying, ooh, boy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you could even just be like, oh, this is a cute song. And then the video is like, me as a mermaid... Like, making out with a sailor, like, dancing all over the beach. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, the content, in one way or another, is always just going to be true to my own experience. Because I, you know, after I made one song that wasn't great, and I put a video, maybe 50,000 people saw it on YouTube, I was like, bitch, I'm about to be Beyonce. <laughs> like, fully, fully convinced in my brain. You're going to need a fan. That, like... I was performing at the Super Bowl next year. Like, I was just like, oh, it's about to pop. Like, knew it, knew it. And, like, that's not the case. And I got to be frank with you. I've been doing this for a little bit, and I'm growing older. Like, that's not going to be the case. And I don't want that to be the case. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I look to someone like Peaches, and I'm like, that person is a living and working artist and she has a dope fan base and she tours the world and she's new music and she's like like her new you know the new record is so great like it's just all can I yeah just interrupt you to tell you a story about Peaches great it kind of changed my life um I grew up in San Diego yeah and there is um uh there's a venue in San Diego called Casbah Mm-hmm. And um Rock the Casbah? Rock the Casbah. When I was a kid, the Casbah was the place where like big indie bands that like, you know, it was the nineties, so like indie was big right. and big indie bands that came to San Diego played at the Casbah. And um it was one of my maybe the first time I was ever at the Casbah, some of my roommates dragged me to go see Peaches. And she was playing in this little side stage area and where um, um, it was probably, I'm so bad at spatial relations, but, and I'm pointing for those of you, who <laughs> but um, uh, the stage was like there mm -hmm. and the bar was there mm -hmm. and there were tables in between, like, like tables that you could sit at. Cabaret so like, tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, there was about eight of us at this Peaches show. And um, half of them were my friends. So we're standing in front of the stage, and she's just, she is, I mean, there could be a thousand people there. She is selling it to us, she is on fire, and we are eating it up. And um, she runs across the tables to the bar, and we run after her. She grabs a bottle of tequila from the well, pours it into our mouths like we are baby birds. We're just like, ah, ah, ah. Like, tequila all over us, runs back across the tables to the stage, we run after her, and um, she, it looks like she bites the inside of her mouth, it's really a blood pellet, right. I learn later, but she bites the inside of her mouth and spits blood all over us, <gasps> and my friend Michael Beard is wearing this very handsome white sport coat, 
and he looked like she spits over us and that's the end of the number and the lights go out and she gets off stage and lights come back on and he has this like religious experience look on his face and he looks at me and I said oh my god your coat and he says I'm never washing it as he like strokes it gently oh my god and yeah that was like that is the kind of queer art like, <laughs> like I mean she's so but, rad she's so rad and so I met her at Palm Springs Pride last year, and I got to, like, grab her hand and tell her this story, and she was so sweet to me, and, like, laughed and gave me a big hug. But she was like, yeah, that was a blood pellet. I was really into that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I kept it in there the whole The whole show. time. It was just in there the whole show. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, that... To me, there's no other explanation for that story than she loves performing yeah do you know what i mean yeah there's eight people in the room i know people who would have walked out yeah i know people who would have cut their set short i know people who would you know done all of those different things but like you know if you are so in love with what you're doing you're gonna do it for an audience of none mm -hmm. you know um switching gears just slightly yes. um you get naked a lot Almost pretty naked. pretty close to naked. You, you I keep something a secret. Yeah, well, I mean, well, because you're a lady. Um, uh, no, but seriously, you um, you are very body positive, um, and uh, 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 why 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 is that important to you? I mean, it's clearly important to you because well, you, you know do I have a body and you do you have most a body. other people have a body as do I. I'm sitting here in mine. <laughs> um, I lacked a certain type of self-confidence for a long time in my life. Um, I had self-confidence in my abilities. Mm -hmm. I had self-confidence in the way I communicate. You know, like, it was all of these other things, but there were certain areas in which I did not ever feel good about myself. And one of them was my body, one of them was sexualizing myself. Um, being an object of desire for anybody was really unfathomable for me for a long time. Um, and that sort of like coolness, like a smoothness, a coolness, a confidence, like just about being, standing in a room and being, I lacked completely. But if you gave me a job to do, if you gave me a task to do, if I, I was very into that. Yeah. So before I started rapping, I was I was into that. Is that no, no, no. You, I'm laughing because the night we met, uh, we met at Mario Diaz's party. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, I was experiencing intense social anxiety that evening, which I deal with. By A, drinking too much, and B, assuming the role of host of the party. So, like, introducing people to people, um, like, I'll, like, whoever the real host of the party is, like, I will, like, like, in this case it was Mario Diaz, I'll run the errands for them, I, like, I will, like, I will, I make myself useful. Right. And, um, and I, and I, when people try and talk to me, I make them talk to each other. So, like, I'm, like... Uh, as a way of shunting off my own anxiety. Yeah. That's why I was laughing. Because no, I fully, <laughs> I like fully understand. Like I, I, like I introduced you to like eight people within yeah. me, like seconds of meeting you. But you also very boldly walked up to me and started talking to me, which is something I have a very hard, like I, I'm challenged by that. Well, you were talking to my friend Heath and... Who I, I met six months ago, which is why <laughs> I was able to talk to him. Because I was like, I had a conversation with that person a while ago, so now we can sort of, like, already talk. But I was holding on to Heath like he was a safety vest. Because I just, like, I get uncomfortable. Yeah. I just really do. I'm very self-conscious in that environment when I don't have a job to do. Mm -hmm. So, I was, before I started rapping, I was performing, I was dancing, and I was dancing in a group called Double DJ, and there were three of us, and we all sort of had different body types and different looks, and different gender expressions and we would dance in these like six inch stiletto heels and we would strip uh -huh. and i don't know how it happened that we decided to take off our clothes but the more and more we did it and i initially would just like 
go from like pants to shorts and from like a, a long sleeve shirt to like a tank top. And then the more I would like show my body, the bigger reaction I got. And I, I didn't have to speak. It was all choreography. It was audience interaction, but it was just like looking at people and feeling the power of being on stage. And I, over doing that for like two or three years with, with my friends who I was collaborating with, I would start stripping more and more and I would feel the confidence in that. And when I first started rapping, you know, in my first video, I stripped down a fair amount and I just, it became the thing that felt like it gave me power on stage. And um, over time, I started to incorporate it into my show. So I come out sort of like puffed up a little bit because I have like 10 layers of clothing on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like the shirt comes off and then this and then there's like some weird velcro thing that reveals another thing and then a clasp that undones and then it's like a cape and a thong but then the cape turns into the you know it's like <laughs> all of those and I, and when I work with designers on making costumes they'll make me like one thing it goes from like one thing to another but I'll incorporate that with like three other ones that do that so I'll go through like eight looks in a night you know in like a ten minute set um, but I just love it like it it's weirdly freeing it's the only time I really feel comfortable stripping down like that, unless it's like in a sexual experience. And I don't know. I mean, everyone's always like, oh, body positive and this and that. And it's like, it comes from a very selfish place. It comes from the idea that I never thought that I was worthy of anyone's gaze upon me. Like I truly thought no one was ever attracted to me. And then performing when I found that I would like sort of take off my clothes and then people would come up to me afterwards and be like, say really nice things or be really forward about wanting to have sex. I'd be like, Oh, there are people in the world that are attracted to me. And then I came to the realization of like, everybody in the world is somebody's type. Yeah, totally. Cause I used to literally only think that the images that the media fed me were the only kind of people that people like to have sex with. Yeah. And then you start to like, open your eyes a little bit and you're like literally the opposite of that Abercrombie and Fitch ad is getting laid every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you're and totally. you're like, oh, the world works so different than what I thought it did when I was 14. Mm. And I was such a late bloomer to realize that. Like, like I, I kid you not, like probably 26 years old. Like, I'm, I'm, like, literally going through my sexual awakening at 30 right now. <laughs> my, um, my very first boyfriend in high school was l literally an Abercrombie and Fitch model. Like, he was the first male Abercrombie and Fitch model of color. And I was this nerdy little... I was just this nerdy little kid, and I didn't understand why he liked me. I, like, it took me a long time to realize, like... People are rarely looking for what we think they're looking for. Right. And to, um, it like, uh, I think every time somebody who doesn't look like a magazine ad gets on stage and takes their clothes off, there are th three faggots in the audience go, oh shit, like I'm not a hideous, ugly monster. Like, right. I'm attracted to this, and right. other people clearly are too. Right. And, like, uh, the world's a slightly less terrible place than I thought it was. I definitely... I'm all for getting naked on stage. Well, I definitely didn't realize how empowering it was. And then I started to, like, get social media messages. You know, like, stuff on Instagram from, like, some kid in South Africa who's like, I can't actively follow you because I have people watching who I follow, but I check your page every day because you inspire me to be myself and I can't wait to you know graduate from high school and get the fuck out of where i am you know yeah. just like and i'm like what wow, like yeah. you're in south africa you're like a world away and you're able to access what i'm doing and it means something to you so that's the type of shit that's like really rad yeah i mean to what you were saying about your ex or your high school boyfriend um I'm like obsessed with different bodies coming together. Mm. And for me, having so much like internalized shame about being a chubby boy my whole life and like assuming, you know, like the joke on every sitcom in like the 90s oh, was yeah. like, 
oh, back hair? It's like, ew, you're going on a blind date. And they, they come back and they're like, how was a blind date? And they're like, he had back hair. And I'm like, I think back hair is sexy. Like, I like running my hands through back hair. You know what I mean? Like, just literally everything that was a, a joke about someone being gross is me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I'm the, I feel like Shrek a lot of times in the world. <laughs> but then, like, oh, <laughs> the end of the movie, Shrek finds love. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And it's like, he's charming. So I just, like, it, to me, they're so, like, I get off on the idea of, like, different body types. Like, I love when, like, someone with a gym body who's really built up, who, you know has that like crazy sort of like musculature and whatever that we idolize on billboards and images and whatever is into me. And I used to be like, there's no way you must be doing this as a joke. Like you must, you know, like I just didn't get it. Yeah. And now I like love it because I almost feel like I'm taking back power that I have not allowed myself to have for years and years and years. And it's been this like really new experience to realize that like, my brain is of value, my personality is of value, and my physical being, though it doesn't look like, you know, what we're sold, is sexy. And that, to me, like, took a long time and a lot of guts to, like, admit those things. So, on stage, I can really, and in my videos and when I make music, I'm able to tap into something that I don't have access to all the time in my own personality and that's like a confidence and like a fearlessness so that's why I like to do it again like back to that Peaches story I think it's selfish yeah because I fucking love it yeah but it makes it even better to know that people get joy out of it um and they do um let's talk about um California here you are here I am here you are sitting in my living room in Hollywood um um, you until very very recently were living working in Chicago, or just outside of Chicago. Yes, I I was this fall, but prior to that, I spent three years living in New York. Oh, I'm a terrible interviewer. No, I had no, no, no idea no, no. you were living. I, in New York. I'm, I'm, I'm from I'm from Chicago, uh-huh. born and raised, um, and then I went to school in upstate New York. I went to college in upstate New York. And then I lived in Chicago for a little bit, and I was doing other things. And mm-hmm. then once I started making music, I basically moved to New York in 2012. Okay. And I'm, I had a great time in New York. And basically, I have recently decided to come out here for a handful of reasons. And <laughs> a handful of reasons. Some of them personal, some of them not. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, here I am. And, you know, I went to school for theater. And that's what I was doing in Chicago. And music has been the most amazing, happy accident full of, like, really insane, awesome experiences. How many people, like, so many people make work that they want people to see. Mm-hmm. I make music and I make videos and something happened where I have been able to like basically travel the country and parts of the world performing for people and making enough money to like buy a meal the next day. You know what I mean? Like I have been living off of my art, not, not at all glamorously and mostly on other people's couches, but there's enough money coming in where like I am able to like get up the next day and not freak out about what I'm going to do for work. That's uh, uh, an incredibly rewarding experience. Totally. But it doesn't have longevity because I haven't had a home in years. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to have a home that I call my own. I would Uh, like to pay rent on an apartment. I would like to feel like a contributing member of society. And I do, but there is something that I miss about really putting my roots down and New York was almost that for me but when I really was honest with myself I know that I want because I direct and produce almost all of my own content Mm -hmm. I work with a director who allows me to give over control but I am a control freak and I love to be in charge of everything so my one friend Tobin who I've directed most of my big videos with I trust him endlessly and 
I can sort of turn off my director brain. But with everyone else, I'm always either directing or co-directing. I'm always producing. I'm always in charge. And it makes me realize that I can continue to do that with my own content, but I want to do that shit for television and movies. Right. I want to do that on a larger scale. I used to direct theater. I directed a play, maybe 600 people. That's an exaggeration. Well, maybe between 400 and 600 people saw the play over a six-week run, right? 100 seats in the audience, maybe 40 of them were filled a night. I spent three months doing that shoot a video over a weekend, edit it back and forth for about a month, put it on the internet, 300,000 people. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) This is a much bigger audience. Now I'm like, well, let me get a grown-ass person job and start working in TV. And, you know, even though a lot of people have criticisms about things like Glee or whatever, it's like Ryan Murphy has been queering culture for years and is basically an American hero. Yeah. And maybe some of the shit he does is really problematic, but at least there's a fucking conversation to be had about it right. that wasn't there before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was watching Grease Live. They just did it on Fox. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's my job. Like, I'm going to do that in 10 years. I'm going to direct something like that. Like, because it was just rap. Like, like I have the skill set for that, and I know I do. And rapping is only one thing that I'm going to do in my life. And I'm so proud that I've done it, and I'm so proud to continue to do it. It's not like it's over, but I'm also, like, not Snoop. I'm not going to be 50 and still be able to, like, be up there rapping and showing my ass off. Like, I want to do other things. So L.A. just made total sense for me to come out and start that part of my career. Even Snoop is, like, you know, like, he has an amazing talk show on the internet. That is one of the, like, actually... It's really incredible. Partially inspired me doing yes, this. Yeah, okay, seriously. Yes, I love that. Um, and uh, um, I mean, he's the evolution of Snoop Dogg from like weed smoking gangster from Long Beach to like wise old man of hip hop. Yeah. With uh, with uh, like serious marketing ninja skills has been breathtaking. <laughs> he, I just saw him. Chloe Kardashian has this new show called Cocktails with Chloe. Uh huh. Which. For zero reason is one hour long. Like, it's definitely a half an hour show. But she premiered it on the FYI network. Uh FYI? Yeah. And they got the highest ratings the network had ever gotten. You know, because she's fucking Khloe Kardashian. Like, she has reach. Um, And it's an hour long. And it's literally her hanging out in, like, a set of a living room with whoever famous people she gets over there. And they play games Uh and drink. Like, that's the show. So Snoop was on that show. And he goes, um, she goes, you smoke weed every day? And he goes, no, every single day, (laughs) which was amazing. And then he goes, except when I coach flag football for the kids, there's like a three week period where he runs this like intensive training camp for like, it's like some, you know, charity or whatever. And um, he's like, I don't smoke weed then. And I'm just like, he's such a rad dude. Yeah. Like he's so... But so anyways, um, I, you know, he's evolved over time. Everyone evolves over time. And like, you know, I have ideas. uh, You know, I want to have a podcast. I think I could really run like a talk show. I think I could produce a really great, you know, half hour Big Dipper show with guests and things and, you know, whatever. I have all these ideas. And this is the fucking place to make things like that happen. Yeah. So it just felt like the right time. And I've been definitely doing a lot of thinking since I turned 30 about, you know, it's just like everyone talks about different stages in your life, but it's like until you actually understand your own experience, you're like, oh, sure, yeah, oh, you got really introspective when you grew up and then you made a change in your life. That's some bullshit. And then it's like the moment I was like, oh, well, what do I want to do for the next decade? So, anyways. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's why I'm out here. I've been down here about four years. From, from San, San Diego Fran- or San Francisco? From San Francisco. I, was, I lived in San Francisco. I grew up in San Diego, lived here for a while, which was disastrous. Uh, walked away with HIV and a drug problem. And um, lived in San Francisco for six years where I met almost all the most important people in my life. Mm-hmm. Like the people that became, you know, they're my family. You know, right. like, um, and most of whom you know, I imagine. Um, 
really involved in like the drag performance you know like the drag scene up there is very performance arts right so right. like I was like in the drag scene up there and you know I started writing for some queer publications um, and I did like some I got I did some movies that were just like these they just got kind of offered to me and then one of the movies I was in um, uh, premiered in Frameline one of the the, the game uh, film festival up there and um some guy, some production guy down here was like, you need to be in L.A. You're like, this is, uh, if you're going to be an adult about these things, you need to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> and he was right. Like, you know, um, there's so much opportunity here. Yeah. And you're right. And like, you know, people make fun of it. But right around you hit 29:30, like this, like bell goes off in your head and you're like, I've been having a really awesome time. Right. For the last five, ten years. Like, what am I going to do now? And uh, this is a place to make those dreams come true. Yeah. I feel like I'm ready to sink my teeth into something. Since I've been making music, I've been holding on tight to what I'm doing and I'm working really hard at it. But it has truly felt like a snowball. Mm. There have been strategic moments, but since the jump, it's just like, what's the next? What's the next? What's the next? And... um, I love that, but I also sort of want to like lean back and take a breath and then be like, like, what is the next move rather than what's the next opportunity and like choose the move. So what is the next move? <laughs> I don't know. It hasn't been presented to me that. <laughs> um, I'm working on music right now. And you're going to go on tour soon, aren't you? I'm going on tour. Um, but I've basically been on perma tour for three years right. because... I very rarely like go out in the month of March and play 20 shows. It's just sort of like I string a gig with another gig and another gig and I end up zigzagging across the country on airplanes, which is rad, but it can get exhausting. Um, but I'm, I'm making music. I'm definitely going to release music and start making more videos for the spring and the summer, but I just don't know how I want to do that yet because I think there's so many, with technology, there's so many interesting ways to release things like people premiere things on snapchat or they like make a video for every song and then drop that like beyond you know like third time i've referenced beyonce i think there are really rad ways to make things happen and those things can happen through collaboration and through partnerships and i'm also very aware that people are willing to do like give a dollar give three dollars for a product I'm not yet in a position where I can charge $18 for an album, but hey, put a dollar in this PayPal and then you get like a whole thing and this and a ticket to a live show. And then all of a sudden, like I made a thousand bucks and then I have work to do, you Mm -hmm. know, like just things like that, I think are fun. And people like that now, Um, especially with independent artists, they like a personal experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, send me a DM on Twitter and I'll give you a code to this and then you can go download the thing and then you're one of a hundred people that have this one song. You know, just like things like that I think are fun. And so I would be really excited with this next music project to figure out ways to make that happen. I've done four Kickstarters since I started making music and people have given me so much money and I'm so grateful for it. But I am literally not interested in just asking for money outright anymore. I just feel like I have received so many gifts and it's now time to figure out how to like only do it on myself. Like, like I raised $10,000 to make this mermaid video and it's a $250,000 video. You know what I mean? That we made on 10 grand. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, if I don't have a huge production company and record label behind me, I shouldn't be making $250,000 videos. And if I do, I should be somehow figuring out a way that they pay for themselves. I have to make the dream work with what I got. I can't live the dream like it's actually the dream. And for the first little bit I was, you know, I was like, oh, I have one video on the internet. I should be on the list for this club. You know, bullshit like that. Uh And then like immediately I was like, None of that is real. (laughs) That's not a thing. Like, I'm still waiting tables. I'm still teaching high school kids theater. And then I got fired because I was a rapper. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I was doing all that shit because it wasn't going to be a thing. Right. And then all these things pointed to it. It was like, 
oh, you're firing me because I put out a music video? Great. Now I can only work by playing shows because no one will... Like, I was working three different teaching jobs, like freelance theater teaching jobs, and everyone fired me. And I was like, okay, so now I have to do something else. And then it was like... I was getting, you know, recognized while I was waiting tables. And so that's like a weird thing for your ego. Right. Where you're like, oh, I love your music. And you're like, more fries? Like, I don't... Aren't you on the TV? (laughs) Occasionally when I'm not working here. Yes, I am. Uh, Because that, I mean, you just have to do that, you know? Yeah. It's uh, people's perception of like... Oh, you've been on TV, you must be famous now. Well, also, especially the internet. I've never been on TV. I've literally never been on television. (laughs) You know, it's YouTube, which anyone can do. And then people are like, oh, why do you wait tables? And I'm like, bitch, because I don't make any money. Like, I mean, like, yeah, quote, anyone can do it, quote, but people aren't trained to believe they can do it. Right. We definitely grew up in a TV paradigm Mm -hmm. where, like... Uh, to be and like your your music videos look professional. So like to be in a professional music video, there's some part of the the brain of our generation um, who thinks uh, this person has made it. Right. If you are in a a clean glossy magazine or um, like yeah, if your name's in print in a glossy magazine or if you're in this professional looking music video, like. You, like there must be a ten thousand dollar check in your pocket, and like that is not the case. Like literally, the the first piece of press that I got that wasn't in Chicago and it wasn't on the internet was a full page picture and article in Details magazine. <laughs> Details is a great mag- magazine, exactly. <laughs> and then I like had to request off from my manager. From my restaurant job to fly to Chicago for, or fly to New York for a day to take the picture and do the interview and then fly home. Like that, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's all such a, like, you have to keep the hustle going um, in order to, to make that all happen. And I will say this about music videos. There's so many people out there who are making a music video and like skipping the final two steps of like color correction do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And all that would do is make it look professional, uh-huh. but it goes out the way it looks. And it's like, people are like, your videos look so professional. I'm like, I shot it on a camera that everybody has and tons of people use. I just like worked with the right people who knew mm-hmm. how to color correct and edit it. So it looked really good. Like, that's it. That's all it was. Yeah. So it's much more accessible than I think people think, but you also have to you know, like, have the brain for it. Before we wrap up, um, I like asking, like, if you have any advice for young faggots who might be listening to this who want to do what you do or who, like, look to you as a model for how they want to, like, interact with and make gay culture, like, what advice do you have for them? Well, I get maybe I can start with the things that have worked to my advantage have been... Like, I've always had a really supportive friend group around. So even when, like, I first started looking at YouTube comments from my first video and people were like, this is trash. This is why gay people aren't allowed to get married. You know, like, shit like that. And you're just like, me? I I caused you to write that comment? You know, it's like YouTube comments is crazy. So obviously, I think... You know, talking about young people, like, young people grew up with the internet, so they know that it's all bullshit. But some of them believe that it's real. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's about taking everything with a grain of salt, knowing that you're going to have constant rejection and disappointment. And for every good thing that happened, there's about a hundred things that fall through. Being confident in what you're making, regardless of what other people think, you have to like your art. You have to like the work that you're doing. You have to like the way that you're working. And having a support system, whether that be you and one other person, you and multiple different communities of people, like support is so important because I constantly will just like call up an old friend from Chicago and we'll kiki on the phone about anything. And that support, like I'll hang up the phone and be like, I'm going to write a song. You know, just having that sort of like friend base is so important. So seeking that out if you don't have it. 
Um, and then I would just say like the ultimate thing that I always return to is authenticity. Don't do what you think other people want to see from you. Don't do what you think will sell or think will work or think you have to do what's in your brain and what will make you happy and what you know of your own experience. Cause there's, there's nothing worse than you trying to tell another person's story. I think when I started, I was dabbling in that a little bit. When I began, I didn't see a place for myself in the music community. So I thought I had to write like other people or I had to sort of mimic what other people had done. And it became clear very, very fast that the only thing that would work for me was to be myself. Um, I guess that's my advice. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Dipper, thank you so much. You've Thanks been awesome. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was very fun. I say it in like the word. Like, <laughs> this was very this was made fun! fun. <laughs> I said it to well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dipper. Please turn in next week when I will be joined by the very funny comedian and passionate advocate, Kenny Neil Schultz. Until then, homies, this is Brendan Schuchart signing out. Every day, yes, yes. K, A-N-K, yeah, I'm a skank, a slender dub. Every day.